0: I'm Arafat, and I'm in the UK. And I'm Mohammed, and I'm in the US. And you're listening to
1: Slow Pit Stop. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Slow Pit Stop. So this week, we're going to do something a little different because it's not a race weekend. Uh, Arafat has a story for us. And uh, I'm joined today with Asher, if you might remember him from the Mexico GP. He was the guy who didn't know anything about Formula 1 that was postulating anyway. But that's okay, because that's what everyone does nowadays. But yeah, he's back with us. And uh, I'll let Arfat take it away from here.
0: So some of you may have seen, Lewis Hamilton has been posting pictures on his Instagram of his hero, Ayrton Senna, who came from Brazil.
1: But he I has. suppose... We, yeah,
0: he, he's, he's ha- racing with a helmet uh, in Brazil that has like the Brazilian flag on it. And he put up a picture on his Instagram of... Senna with his arm around him I think someone drew it as a painting but Senna was asked who do you admire the most and his answer was one of the greatest drivers of all time is Fangio it's Formula One's in South America as we know for the Mexican and Brazilian Grand Prix and although F1's been very Europe centric as a sport the sport does have a long and rich history linked with South America Drivers have stepped forward from Argentina, Brazil, Chile, Colombia, Mexico, Uruguay, and Asher's favourite, Pastor Maldonado, has come from Venezuela. (laughs) Brazil has produced three different world champions, which is only behind Germany and the UK in terms of number of world champions produced. And as we just left Mexico, a very special prize was awarded to Bottas for pole position. He was given a replica of a helmet worn by Juan Manuel Fangio. It's the seventieth anniversary of Fangio's first win, and it was presented by three-time world champion Jackie Stewart. So, have either of you ever heard of Fangio, and you know who he is?
2: So, the only thing that I've heard that's similar to the word Fangio is a company called Fangio, it's like a, a, a gaming <laughs> the, the company. The sports thing? Oh, yeah, gaming company. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like they actually hired a few, quite a few people on the this uh, coding course I was on. Like a couple of them worked for them. So, whenever you say Fangio. Honestly, because people pronounce it like FanDuel. I thought it was, Fan it was FanDuel. It's actually du That's what comes to mind. And then you mentioned uh, Lewis Hamilton and Instagram. And I don't know. He's he's not still going out with that Pussycat Doll person. No,
0: not for like 10 years. So, yeah, 10 years. Wow. This is how behind everything you are. This is how much <laughs> in the past you live. It's beautiful, though. Like, I
2: don't know. Like, um, I don't. It's like I'm not filling my brain full of not, like, kind of useless information, which is... It's uh, it's
1: not useless, though. This is very useful if you're in, you know, Formula One, like, analysis and stuff. But
0: it's not even useless or useful information. It's just stuff that passively washes over you as you, like, are part of the world.
2: Yeah, (laughs) I've not been part of the world for most of my life, now that I think about it, now that I think <laughs> about it, pressure, lives on the moon. <laughs> well, when I when I think about it, even like the stuff about Formula One and Lewis Hamilton, I know because I know Arafat, and Arafat's talked about it. But to answer that question, like a bit more accurately, no, I'd never heard of Fangio until you st- started talking about him last couple of weeks.
1: Yeah, so as a newer fan, I am always doing research into Formula One and trying to find out more about what what it was like, you know, 10, 20 years ago, but I haven't looked into Fangio because like six weeks ago when we planned this, you were like, don't look into Fangio, don't read anything about him. It's all I wanted to be a surprise. So I don't know anything about Fangio except that Botas got his award after the Mexico GP.
0: Great. So I'll tell you a little bit about him. Uh, Fangio was born in 1911, so 110 years ago. Wow. And he's from Argentina. He wanted to learn to be a mechanic, but he said nobody would teach you back then, so you had to learn on your own just watching other people. Mm. And as he became a mechanic in cars and racing, he joined in a a race as a co-driver when he was 18 years old. Uh, Without his father's permission, he went off to a race. So road racing in South America, they were were huge races that went on for days and days and days, and there were no repair shops or garages along the way, so you would take your mechanic with you, a whole bunch of spare parts and 250 liters of petrol, and your mechanic, obviously. The car would weigh almost 2,000 kilograms and have wow. loads of heavy reinforcement. Uh, and I was having a look, and something like out of 150 cars that started, only 20 roughly would make it to the end.
2: Nice. Wow.
0: So you know, these things went on for days and days and days, and he won in 1940, bueno Aires to Lima race. So they just, you know, r- used to race across the whole continent. <laughs> So the Argentina Motorsport Association sent him to Europe as part of a sort of team Argentina organization. And after great success, he was signed by Alfa Romeo to drive for them in the first ever season of Formula One in 1950.
1: What was Alfa Romeo called? Were they Alfa Romeo back then? Yeah. So they became Sauber and then they went back to their historic name? Is that what happened?
0: So Alfa Romeo is an Italian car company. Yeah. Anonima Lombarda Fabrica Automobili. And the last name was after entrepreneur Nicola Romeo. So Alfa Romeo set up a car company. They were racing and all of this. And then they sort of faded away. I don't know what the story is. it must have ran out of money or something. But you know how now there's only like three car companies in the world. Mm-hmm. So Fiat bought Alfa Romeo, mm-hmm. who is also the parent company of Ferrari uh, and basically all the Italian car companies. And so Sauber is a pre-existing Formula One team. Mm -hmm. Alfa Romeo are sponsoring them as a title sponsor and giving technical support which is why they're so closely linked to Ferrari because ultimately it's Uh. Fiat at the top. So Mm. Alfa
1: Romeo isn't actually like a B team to Ferrari it's just like vague connections that keep them connected? Yeah
0: it's an independent team which is why Mm -hmm. Andretti made a move to Mm -hmm. buy the team out and could have done it but there were some apparently it wasn't a matter of money it was some other negotiating issues Mm. but yeah Sauber, Peter Sauber has run that team and always had different owners whether it be BMW Sauber Hmm. or there's been some Swedish owners all sorts of different sponsorship deals at one point it was Red Bull Sauber Red Bull that was the first team that came in and sponsored Hmm. and I think Patronus was with Sauber at one point too so Alfa Romeo is just the latest sponsor yeah yeah Alfa Romeo is just the latest sponsor but Alfa Romeo went on to win the first ever season of Formula One in 1950 So Alfa Romeo had a very successful time in the early days of Formula One with Nino Farina becoming the first ever driver's world champion racing in Alfa Romeo and his teammate Juan Manuel Fangio came second that year. Fangio won three races and retired from three races or only six races that year and Farina also won three races but managed to finish fourth in another race in Belgium giving him the championship by three points. There was no constructors championship at that time that came quite a few years later but Fangio went on to win five championships in total which was a record that stood for I don't know 40 plus years until Schumacher oh, wow. came and beat it Yeah.
1: holy crap Jeez. I have to look this guy up actually I can't
0: <laughs> so a study by Sheffield University published in the Journal of Quantitative Analysis in Sports uh, you guys read that regularly? Uh, yeah, yeah yeah yeah
1: what's a good Sheffield? <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's a good point actually <laughs> Sheffield is a place, <laughs> oh. but, um, but yeah, Sheffield University. But anyway, have you? Did I did I tell you about the the Harry Potter game with journals and studies? No. So this paper that was in this journal was titled "Formula for Success: Multi-Level Modeling of Formula One Driver and Constructor Performance." Okay, that's the title of the paper. The next time you read a scientific paper just put Harry Potter and the before before whatever you're reading. (laughs) So, you know, Harry Potter and the evidence for the COVID vaccine. Harry Potter and the genomic sequence for frogs. Um, (laughs) So here we would have Harry Potter and Formula for Success, multi-level modeling for Formula One driver and constructor performance.
1: That's my favorite book from the series.
0: I know. (laughs) So they decided that the greatest driver of all time was Fangio. Hmm. Do you want to have any guesses of who they put second and third? Wait,
1: what year did this come out?
0: This was out in 2014, so I think the data will be skewed on Lewis Hamilton.
1: Yeah. So number two, well, it's a place called Sheffield. So um, I'm going to think that number two, they went with somebody from Sheffield. I don't know anyone from Sheffield. So I'm going to say Valtteri Bottas was number two. <laughs> number three was Michael Schumacher.
0: You got number three right, well. Oh, wow. Is number cool. two Senna. No, uh, number two is Prost. Senna, oh. I think, was seventh or eighth. I don't have the figures in front of me. Wow, Basically, what is
1: this? Who are these people? Yes,
0: <laughs> so they didn't decide, like, just off their favorites. They did this sort of modeling thing, and they looked at what factors weigh heaviest in deciding who was the champion. And so they weighted things like, did you win your championship with multiple teams? That sort of thing. So Senna won all his championships in one car, the McLaren, whereas... Prost won with multiple teams he won with McLaren, he won mm. with Williams, Get it. Um, Michael Schumacher won with Benetton which is now Alpine and then he won with Ferrari so I assume Lewis would now be weighted higher as he's won with McLaren, McLaren and Mercedes. Mercedes so they looked into what factors weigh heavily so they said the constructor is about six times more important than the driver hmm. but when it rains the driver is x times more important or whatever but the reason Fangio was ranked so highly is his success did not just come with one team. He won five world championships and they were with four different teams, which no one else has ever replicated. That's Alfa Romeo, Maserati, Ferrari, and Mercedes. Four teams? That, that, that last one, did he just not get on with his teams? Did they just <laughs> like, fire him each year? <laughs> well, no, so this is the thing. There was no such thing as a constructor's trophy that year. So you know how, I don't know, a footballer, might have a deal for boots with nike one year and adidas another year whatever wait hold on
1: hold on hold on what did you call that first company nike is that what you call it
0: that's what we call in the uk is it nike
1: god yeah we call it nike that's crazy my mind is literally blown right now
0: (laughs) so I, i i don't know how old i was i once went on a family holiday to italy and we were in Rome and there's some random guy and he's talking about like ancient Roman gods and whatever else and he showed us the logo and he says how do you pronounce this and like British people said Nike and American people said Nike and he was like you're all idiots it's Nike so.
1: <laughs> that's crazy I literally didn't know it was pronounced differently so you know yeah, yeah mind blown I you, you say
0: Adidas differently as well don't you, you say Adidas or something is it
2: not I say Adidas? Adidas I say Adidas
0: it's, I say Adidas or Adidas, or it's Adidas. <laughs> <laughs> because it's it's the man's name shortened. It's Adolf Adi. Dassler.
1: Oh, I thought I thought his name was Adi. Where's well, the, a nickname cause, and then because the last name Because Adolf
0: suddenly became not a cool name to have. Oh, yeah, for a long time mm-hmm.
1: after
2: a certain period. Did his was his brother not like? Did head of not, puma. Yeah.
1: Yeah, did it was not, like one is a head of puma, and then they like made Adidas.
0: I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. they split. They were one single company and then they split into two. And that town Mm. has like been competing its entire existence where they're based. But with these cars, you you, you didn't belong to a team the way Lewis does now. You sort of bought a car and rocked up to racing. And there was only a driver's championship, not a team's one. So in 1954, Fangio raced with a Maserati for two races. And then for the rest of the season, had a Mercedes. So, you know, people were switching cars mid-season. Oh wow! But yeah, so so that's why he 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 just wanted to have the fastest cars. So I, what was the,
1: the, what was the like incentive for constructors to even be in Formula One if they, there's no constructor championship?
0: If you won the race, you sold more cars. People were like, oh. "Wow, I want to be a winner! Like, I want to own an Alfa Romeo because they're winners. Uh, that okay. sort of thing. You do, you do get bumps every time you're." Like Mercedes have had huge sales since Lewis Hamilton has been winning. So
2: is is, is that all those Mercedes C classes flying off the? Yeah, you know, selling fast because it's like you know they they do well in Formula One. So this uh, small Mercedes will definitely do it for
0: me. But but did you watch that thing about that the film Ford versus Ferrari? Yeah. So Ford, you know, they wanted to go to Le Mans. They wanted to race because they had this image of the dad car, you know. And suddenly there was a new generation of young people post war who had disposable income they wanted to buy they wanted to sell to that market and they were like you know these other car companies aston martin whatever they've got james bond leaning on their car we need to look attractive in the same way and the way they wanted to do it was they made the ford gt40 they went racing they won races and people were like wow ford's a cool car and obviously nobody could afford a gt40 but they would go out and buy cortinas and things like that so it's, it's a huge marketing thing to publicize your car and have your brand associated as being a winner
2: is is that like with makeup where you've got like all these like Kylie Jenner and all these like pretty people that were like sell the makeup that's p- branded after their name, and people are like I'm going to buy this makeup because you know maybe I'll look <laughs> as good as Kylie
1: Jenner. And you're are like, we just discovering what marketing is? I think so.
0: <laughs> oh, marketing! Oh, this this is a problem with Asher living on the moon. He doesn't <laughs> get exposed to regular adverts.
2: I get no. I get marketing. It's just so. It's so bad. Like, the more you look into anything, the kind of, the more you look into marketing and you, you kind of like learn about it, the worse you just go, jeez. And then you think to yourself, do I choose anything of my own free will? <laughs> because there's just, it's just this all sorts of stuff to do. Like, I worked on my last job. We had a guy, like the, the marketing guy, and he would just, you know, you get, you got a, a little bit of a glimpse into things and how they would. Tweak things to try and sell more, get more sales. I mean, we weren't super bad. We weren't trying to like do a Google or something like that and manipulate you into I don't know buy more stuff. But like, it, it is it, actually there's always an element of manipulation. It's like the what was it the Saturday Kids TV show selling toys or uh, the you yeah. know like what was it Transformers? The whole cartoon was just an advert. Yeah, yeah Transformers was just about yeah. selling toys, and ended up being well, the cartoon ended up being pretty cool. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know, people are like, "I'm too smart for Facebook adverts." I don't know people who who say that out loud, but that's because I don't know people. Arseholes, I
0: don't know. <laughs> well, I'm I'm too smart for Facebook adverts, but I um I'm not huge into James Bond or anything. Like, I watch them, but I'm not like a big fan. I don't know lots of things about it, and also I don't collect stamps or anything. I don't collect anything. But this advert came up about special limited edition running out. Like, there's only going to be so many James Bond stamps, and I. Now, for some reason, have a collection of James Bond stamps that I bought on Facebook. Is this you? Yeah. Wait, you bought it off Facebook? Yeah, I've Facebook. Got, like, no, no, I didn't buy it off a of random on Facebook. I got an advert off yeah, that's from crazy. Facebook from like the Royal Mail, so I bought it wow. from the Royal Mail. The
2: first, my first question is, why were you on Facebook? Um, <laughs> because honestly, like, I just feel now, maybe I'm, I, I'm like, it, it just feels like it's for older people including people who are my age i'm on um, facebook yeah you're an old man at heart though <laughs> no like like it's for it's yeah it's just like older people that seem to be using it a lot more like a lot of people have kind of fallen off i, I hardly ever go on it and when i did when i do go on it from time to time because it sends me an email going such and such who i don't care about has posted a new picture and i'm like okay i'll go on this and i'm just like wow this is cancer like i feel like it's just (laughs) gotten worse it's it's like all these if you look at the feeds all these like just you know the things that you get forwarded on whatsapp by your family that's just nonsense yeah it's just like all these videos that are kind of like titled like that and you're just like or 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 images and you're like what what is Mm. this um i mean i'm i'm a denizen of the internet i'm used to seeing some of the worst that humanity has to offer but i just feel like facebook is like man what what is this how are they still making money because i don't know i feel like facebook is not it's not the end well it's definitely not the end thing with the was it gen z they're using stuff like snapchat and tiktok tiktok is real cancer oh man um i i try i think i tried it online when you could look at the, some of the videos on the website as opposed to using the phone app and it did suck uh, like a couple of hours of my life it's I was like what happened at the time I've been watching five second videos constantly it is it is actually super super addictive and i was like i'm never downloading this app and then my my brother keeps trying to freaking send links to tiktok videos and i'm just like off with your cancer and also (laughs) like i have to go onto the website because i'm not downloading the app because i know it it will be detrimental to my health and then when i go on the video and i watch it, it then it will then like Put on the next video, and it's usually a video that's really loud for. It has really loud mm. music for some reason. I'm just like, oh my god, screw this! And then there's Instagram as well, man. It's like, oh, just like I went down this rabbit hole of you like one cosplayer's cosplay outfit, right? And it just oh dear. Look, I'm, look. I'm gonna admit, there's, right, no, good like goes, to there's no, <laughs> no good ending to this story. There's no good ending to this. It was a cosplay. No,
1: get back to the script. <laughs> <laughs> like
2: one one. it was a cosplay some something I liked right and I was like this is cool and then it just like forged you all these cosplayers I'm like there's a lot of very attractive Russian cosplayers um,
0: hashtag we say no to
2: Mazepin <laughs> and it's just like this slippery slope so yeah I try to avoid all these things and just live in my cave But then follow go, me on
0: Instagram instead I'm much more wholesome
2: I mean, the cosplayers are pretty wholesome. I'm not following dodgy cosplayers, but it is just well, like
1: follow slow pit stop on Instagram. That's the thing. Yeah.
2: <laughs> what was their
0: Instagram handle? <laughs> At slow pit stop, very easy to follow, and you will not be left questioning yourself uh, afterwards.
2: Oh my god, I'm always left questioning but myself when speaking
0: I go to of stop. cosplay. Did you see the picture of Valtteri Bottas dressed up in Fangio's helmet?
1: Yeah, I no. liked it. He looked, he looked yeah. happy.
0: He looks like the old man from Up when he was still a little child.
1: Yeah, no, but I liked it. I, he, he, I feel like he's had a rough like couple of years, and he seems happy right now Like since his uh, departure was announced.
0: Shall I tell you more about Fangio? Go on sure. then. So apparently his he was excellent at everything, but his speech was very humble. There's a quote from him that says, if you're trying to be the best in everything, I agree with that, but never believe you are the best. And you know, when the press would interview him about oh, his success, and you've done this, he would say, why do you never mention my mechanics or interview them? They're the real heroes. So he had this skill about building a team around him. At a time when racing people were probably just very much relying on their own skill, he was someone that was building teams around him. So he finished first in 1951, 1954, 55, 56, and 57. But in 1958, he decided to retire from Grand Prix racing. He cites many reasons for this, including the risk to his own life, thinking about his ageing parents and a few incidents that made him want to walk away from the sport. So he did have a dangerous year in 1958 and some of it came down to politics. So Asher, do you think politics and sports should mix?
2: Oh man, why am I getting the the hard question here? Um, (laughs) I mean, it depends. I don't want to say, like say a blanket statement. Say politics and sports should never mix. There is always going to be some sort of politics, but it depends on what you are talking about. What type of politics was it? I do like how he was worried about his aging parents and and I am assuming wanting to kind of be there for them. That was, I mean, I suppose that's a very nineteen fifties nineteen sixties way of thinking, but it's it's nice, it's very wholesome. But yeah, I am not I am not going to say no. I am going to say it depends on the context.
0: There was a Grand Prix organised in nineteen fifty eight in Cuba organized by Fulgencio Batista. And if you look up Batista's Wikipedia page, the first sentence is, Fulgencio Batista murdered 20,000 Cubans in seven years and he turned democratic Cuba into a complete police state, destroying every individual liberty. Wait, so this is not the the wrestler Batista? (laughs) No, this is is his dad, Fulgencio.
1: (laughs) Oh my God. Oh my God, that's... Cr- and then he just went and organized the Grand Prix.
0: He wanted to organize the Grand Prix. He had loads of American money flowing into Cuba. He wanted people to have a good time. Image was very important. It was important to look successful, you know, be liked. And they saw Formula One events in places like Monaco and they wanted to be the Monaco of the Americas.
1: So like this whole thing of people accusing Formula One of uh, like racing in really unethical places with human rights abuses and stuff. It has that's been going part after. of Formula One's DNA. Yeah, that's what it's sounding like. <laughs> yeah,
2: because I was thinking about how people were talking about like stuff in the Middle East, and it just seemed like weird. Some places are like, why are you having this, this here? And it's clearly because money's been thrown about. <laughs> uh, and you're just like, because it's like WWE, or is it called now just WWE, like the World Wrestling? Mm. Stuff? Yeah. Stuff. Uh, they had a fight in in the Middle East, and it's like it wasn't even not that many people attended and stuff like that and it looked mental, it's like quite empty but it was all just because a lot of money were thrown their way to mm. to hold some of these and it's just it's kind of always been that way though, isn't it? It's like where there's money it's just how like, um, things are happening, I don't know, filming in China or movies that are kind of aimed towards China a little bit or they change things when the Chinese government complain a lot of big companies like games and stuff like that will, will quite quickly try to fall in line when st- people like the Chinese government make a say about stuff because they don't want to lose the the big money that comes from these countries and it's I don't know I feel like it's it's everywhere nowadays especially with such a global world like mul- lo- loads of loads of these big companies are multi multinationals and all of these companies are just like hungry hungry for money and I feel like Formula I like One,
1: money I would do anything for money
0: yeah, the the American dream. <laughs> exactly. The American dream. So the next little bit of this I have stolen from a article by Joe Sayward. Joe Sayward is a famous Formula One journalist, and we can put the link to this paper in the show notes. But I'll read this next bit out and you guys tell me what you thought. So it's just the background context to the 1958 Cuban Grand Prix. So he says... Batista was one of those dictators who employed any means possible to stay in power, mm. and yet he still wanted the world to think the best of him. He was an experienced player, having become the strong man in Cuban politics after a coup d'etat in 1933. To begin with, he stayed in the background, but by 1940, he had given up all pretense and become president. His regime was openly doing business with mobsters such as Lucky Luciano, Vito Genovese, and the man credited with inventing money laundering, Mayor Lansky. The united states was happy to support him as it meant that the government of cuba was stable and crucially anti-communist batista was ousted in a free election in 1945 but returned to power in 1952 having masterminded another coup d'etat
1: Yeah, I was going to say, I don't think any free election is stopping this guy.
0: (laughs) (laughs) The one party election that followed served only to increase opposition, although it was wary of him as there was a tendency for dissenters to be gunned down in the streets or simply to disappear. Mm. Protests were dealt with using increasing violence and Batista suspended some of the basic freedoms laid down in the constitution and imposed strict censorship in the media. As his rule became more and more brutal, so more opposition emerged. A military coup was planned in 1956, but it was betrayed by one of its members, and the officers involved were all jailed. Gradually, the revolutionary 26th of July movement, headed by Fidel Castro, emerged as Batista's chief opponent. Castro fled to Mexico in fear of his life wow. for a time, but in late 1956, he and a group of 82 supporters sailed for Cuba from the Mexican port of Tupan. Tuxpan? Tuspan.
1: I don't know. Mm. this is a crazy story they should make a movie about this yeah
0: i know and they were on a yacht called the grandma and their aim Mm. was to start a revolution have you heard of the grandma
1: no the yacht
0: so it was a yacht that carried 82 revolutionaries including fidel castro raul castro and che guevara oh che guevara is a bit like you Mohammed. he just finished medical school he was a young doctor wow and he went off to cuba and uh anytime people disagreed with him, he shot them in the head. Just like me. Just like <laughs> you. But yeah, so the yacht landed in Cuba. Batista knew it was coming, had his soldiers attack it as soon as it arrived. And of the 82 people, only 20 survived. <laughs> so yeah, Fidel and Raul Castro, Che Guevara, they were part of the 20 survivors and they fled into the mountains. And from 20 people, they built the revolution. Wow. So it, it was a huge and complicated revolution. It took years, but a big part of it... So. I'm going off things I've read in Wikipedia and things like this now, but a big part of it was growing their 20 lads in the mountain into this huge, formidable army. They had things like pirate radio and launched a huge propaganda battle. The population was becoming increasingly frustrated by the brutal rule of Batista, and soon they were getting more and more recruits, who, you know, they were all so brutal with, if you decided you changed your mind, they would shoot you in the head. So sure. it's just a, a violent and difficult time for Cuba as a whole. So here's a quote from Fangio. We were having Oh, a- I
1: forgot oh. about him. <laughs> yeah.
0: So, this is how Fangio fits in. So Fangio's gone for the 1958 Cuban Grand Prix, right? And he's gone into his hotel, he's with a couple of friends, and suddenly he says we were with- we were having a conversation when suddenly a person in a leather jacket approached us. He had an automatic pistol in his hand and told us all in a firm and decisive voice that we should not move or he would kill us all. The man was called Oscar Lucero Moya and several of his accomplices were also in the lobby at the time. So at first Fangio thought this was the joke but when the man when one of his friends made a move to try and stop the kidnapper he realized it was very very serious and he asked his friend where he was going to be taken. So Lucero assured him that nothing bad would happen and Fangio walked out with him, uh, exited the building and climbed into a black Plymouth that was waiting at the street corner. So his exit was covered by Lucero's co-conspirators. And he says, I found out later there were three cars involved. They drove slowly through the streets so as to not attract attention. The people who I was traveling with apologized for what they were doing and said all they wanted to do was draw the world's attention to their cause.
1: Hmm. Sounds like Jensen Button in Brazil.
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so so this article by Joe Sayward that I'm getting a lot of my stuff from is called The Day They Stole a World Champion.
1: Wow, so, that's wild. What if they stole like... Lewis Hamilton in Brazil. But exactly. they like, come with exactly.
0: us? Yeah. Oh, my God. So That's this wild. was all being orchestrated by a man called Perez, not Sergio. Sergio? <laughs> oh, okay, not Sergio. Yeah. Check <laughs> him. This, this is why Lewis Hamilton's coming out with the apology, because he knows <laughs> what could happen. They're
1: coming after him in Brazil.
0: <laughs> yeah, so a man called Perez, who was on the grandma with Castro uh, and was one of the 20 or so survivors, uh, he became a senior figure in the revolution. And he arrived and explained to Fangio that he would be freed as soon as the race was completed. All they wanted to do was draw attention to the fact that, you know, the revolution was strong. They could kidnap a world champion. They got a radio for Fangio so he could listen to the race. But he didn't want to listen because he felt like he was missing out. So this is the mad thing about... Oh, they did not let him
1: race either? Like, they didn't, like, let him out before... Oh, my God. That's horrible. I thought they let him out before the race, like... Okay, you can get back
0: in your car. We made our no, point. No, they kidnapped him and said, "Once the race is over, we'll let you away." That's so sad.
2: It's a show of force, though, isn't it? That we can withhold the champion.
0: If Hamilton was kidnapped, do you think they'd be like, "Oh, that's a shame," and just carry on racing? <laughs> <laughs>
2: I don't know. I feel like, like nowadays, they would they would just stop the race, wouldn't they? I feel
1: like Christian Horner would be like, "Yes, carry
0: on. We can carry do- on." <laughs> we're racing yeah. for lewis we're doing this for him <laughs> that's what christian would say
2: so is this like part of the reason why fangio like uh retires
0: maybe it's hard to say i've never spoken to the guy in person
2: because hmm. huh. if if it's stuff i mean if it's stuff like this where he also disagreed with having races and these kind of like places with really uber sketchy human rights hmm you know like i'm a firm believer of like i I don't want to like i'm not gonna bring someone down because they're not fighting for the rights of everyone and and like using i don't know having coffee drinking coffee from places that are not from enslaved people and stuff like that i'm not gonna like bring someone down make someone feel about that because i'm pretty sure i do a lot of things and use a lot of things that from places that are not great but if i also think that if you are passionate about something if it goes against your own ethics then you know you should always go with your heart you shouldn't you if you can you should try not to sell yourself out and you should always admire people that do do that especially when it's it's their um, livelihood that they're choosing to retire from because mm. I'm assuming he was making a decent amount of money yeah like even back then it would have been really really good money and for him to be like no nah, I'm not taking a part in this anymore so like do you think flow. that
1: he has like really strong values against being kidnapped and so once he was kidnapped he was like yeah i don't think i'm going to race anymore cuz it goes against my values
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah but he did like you talking about livelihood he maintained a relationship with mercedes thereafter and they he like owned and ran a whole bunch of mercedes dealerships and sold mercedes cars for the rest of his life so that so they did take care of him but once the race was over and the race was messy as well i'll come to the race in a second the kidnappers dropped him off at the Argentine embassy. They, they didn't want to deal with the Cuban government directly. But the race was, you know, a complete disaster. There was a big crash. A driver died. 40 spectators were injured. Seven audience members were killed. Oh, my God. Wait, wait, wait. What? what the, the hell? hell?
2: <laughs> it's like a massacre. I don't, That doesn't sound messy. That sounds like a massacre.
0: Yeah. So I, I, I can't remember the details of that, but I think a guy... There was people watching on, like, this overhead bridge thing that was poorly constructed. One of the cars crashed for whatever reason and took the bridge out. And then all the people on the bridge came down onto what? the track.
1: Oh, my God. This is insane. What a crazy race weekend.
0: I know. And <laughs> Sterling Moss won the race. So have you heard of Sterling Moss? Yeah. Yeah. So Sterling Moss was a was a big shot driver from back in the day. And what happened was someone had waved a red flag. You know, when the bridge thing came down, they waved a red flag. So the guy that was leading the race, his name was Maston. I think it was Gregory Maston or something like that. So he was leading the race and Sterling Moss was in second place. Someone waved a red flag. So they slowed down and just casually came to the finish line. Just before the finish line, Sterling Moss slammed on the accelerator, overtook him and finished in first. And Maston was like, what was that? And Sterling Moss says, I knew the only person who could issue a red flag was the clerk of the course and he could have never waved it from the bridge. So that red flag was an unauthorized one.
1: Oh my God! Some marshal
0: Aww. at the side has done this off their own back because they're like, "There's dead bodies here. Wave the flag, wave the flag." Oh my God! So he that's... says, "This was an unofficial waving of the flag." So I, and so maston was like, "What is this? What what have you done?" So he said to him, "Keep quiet. We'll pull all our prize money together and split it fifty 50 And he says, and "That's exactly <laughs> what we did." Because otherwise, the money would have gone to the organizers or whoever to decide who it would be, and it would be years before we got any prize money, if any at all. So officially, I was the winner, but the truth is either of us could have won it. That's scummy.
1: but that that's actually insane. Every aspect of this entire thing is crazy. What? I know I can't even imagine if that happened today. It couldn't happen today. None of this could happen today.
0: But the whole thing was a huge embarrassment for Batista. His police couldn't find or rescue Fangio. He held a race where people died. And the whole thing was just one small part of a growing anti-Batista sentiment. So Batista was ousted by the end of that year. I think in December that year he was gone. And this is what Fangio said when about when they dropped him off. So... They left me with a letter to the government of Argentina, excusing themselves for having used me for political purposes. (laughs) Later, he told the media that he'd been treated with great care and civility and said that he bore no ill will towards the rebels. They in turn announced that Fangio was a man of great charm and dignity. And he said it was one more adventure. If what the rebels did was in a good cause, then I as an Argentine accept it. So later on, Castro did invite Fangio to return, but it wasn't until 1981 he went back to Havana in order to sign a deal to supply Mercedes-Benz trucks to Castro's government. And Perez was a government minister by then <gasps> and welcomed him. So Castro was in the middle of some important meeting, and when he saw Castro, when he saw Perez, sorry, he got up and went and hugged him. So this was the man that orchestrated his kidnapping. And on Fangio's 80th birthday, there were messages from all over the world, uh, including one that just said. From your friends, The Kidnappers. <laughs>
1: Is that real? I gotta look that up. That really yeah, happened? Yeah, yeah,
0: So oh one of God. the kidnappers called Arnold Rodriguez did an interview with an Australian magazine called Wheel in 1996. And I've got this from there. So Fangio and I stayed friends and he invited me as a guest of honor to the Fangio Foundation. And in 1981, he came back to, Mute, to Cuba to meet Fidel and The Kidnappers. I remember his brother who said on very few occasions he had seen Juan Manuel cry. But his reunion with the kidnappers was one of them. I what? don't know if the kid Yeah, I know, right? I don't know if the kidnapping was a significant turning point in the revolution, but the friendship we struck up was important. He knew the admiration we felt for him. He not only forgave us, he understood us. This
1: wow. is the cra- this is some Stockholm syndrome to the like nth degree like I know.
2: <laughs> what the heck? <laughs> I don't know, but like I feel it's like that thing where you're like you're two people in in two weird positions, but you kind of like understand each other. I don't know. It's I mean, if it wouldn't, they didn't hold them for too long, it was only for the duration of a race, so it's not like Stockholm syndrome could have actually settled in. But that's that's crazy. That's that. Have have they made a movie on this? They must have made a
1: movie on this. no. It's it's definitely Stockholm syndrome. Even if it's just for the course of a race, if somebody were to kidnap me. I'm not becoming best friends with them just because they're nice to me. What if I like, kidnapped you? No. <laughs> it's a relationship ruined. I don't know, man. If I got kidnapped... Y- you'd be happy?
2: They kind of, like, fed me good food and gave me good <laughs> company. I'd be like, you know, this is better than what I would been doing normally anyway. So, like, <laughs> you're my best friend now.
1: <laughs> As a world champion and he's racing and, like, every point matters... And he gets kidnapped, and he's like, you know what? Yeah, that was better than the race. Well, I guess, you know what? Maybe he could have been one of the drivers that died, so.
0: Yeah, and he struggled with that, because I think one of his co-drivers a long time ago died, and he, he felt very guilty about that for a long time. Oh, what a crazy story. A lot of what I got was from the, there's, a, there's have, have you guys heard of something called Netflix? Netflix?
1: Yeah, Netflix? I've heard of Netflix. Netflix. Netflix?
0: This is how we pronounce it in the UK, Mohammed. Netflix. <laughs>
1: okay. Oh guys are weirdos that lovely
0: casual <laughs> french racism type or whatever it's just how it's pronounced i don't, I don't make the rules but anyway there's a there's, <laughs> there's a documentary on there called a life of speed the Juan manuel fangio story and it's got people like jackie oh. stewart uh, fernando alonso nico rosberg mika Hakkinen, loads of world champions toto wolf is on there and they're all talking about how great Juan manuel fangio was and there's a bit that really got me that they talked about his funeral which was i think was in 1995 and he he was buried in the small town that he came from in argentina and the people that carried his coffin were sterling moss jackie stewart the ceo and the kidnappers no no the ceo of mercedes (laughs) at the time and carlos Reutemann, who was another formula one driver Jackie Stewart said there was just complete silence at the funeral and then one person started clapping and suddenly like there was 10,000 people clapping as they as they carried him away. So I recommend checking out that documentary on Netflix if you get a chance. Mm, yeah, for
2: sure. Isn't that That's wild? pretty cool, man. That's like I expect to have uh maybe five people at my funeral and no one's going to be clapping. <laughs> Will they be clapping because of like the the demon is dead Huzzah. um rather than let's clap him for being a a good sport during his (laughs) lifetime Um,
1: you know when you said you're going to go over the race I thought you were going to be like so at the start you know Fanjo got away better and then into turn one he went wide I didn't think this like this is not what I thought the story was going to go
0: it's good though right I love it so I will ask you again should politics and sports mix I mean it makes for interesting stories
1: yeah obviously once you hear this story 100% (laughs) yeah
0: it, it makes for great documentaries, but it would be fun to have a movie about it, wouldn't it? Yeah.
1: Fangio should be played by Leonardo DiCaprio. <laughs> all
0: right, who's, who's playing all the other people? Who's Jackie Stewart? Um, Idris Elba. Jackie Chan. <laughs> <laughs> who's going to play Castro? Who's going to play... Uh, Batista can play ba- Batista. Yeah. yeah, Batista can
1: play Batista. he plays Perez. And uh,
0: Sergio. Sergio. <laughs> or Sergio's dad.
1: Oh, is that what Perez looked like? Sergio's dad. I
0: don't know. um and <laughs> <All right. laughs> Who who should oh, finally last one? Oh yeah, Sterling Moss. Who can we have playing Sterling Moss, the man who snuck a win?
1: Lewis Hamilton.
0: <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Cast decided. Netflix call us.
1: Well, no, what are they called? Netflix.
0: Ne- oh, Netflix. Yes. Yeah, yeah, you kind of like stumbled there on the pronunciation. (laughs) Sorry, it's just because I've been spending so much time with Muhammad, I'm pronouncing things more American.
1: There's only one pronunciation. It's American. The rest of you guys have accents. That's true.
2: I I do feel like that's the American opinion of everything. (laughs) There's only one way.
0: It's the American way. Do you you know how to upset (laughs) the Americans? Just start referring to all of them as South Canadians.
1: That wouldn't upset me. That would make me feel superior to you because it's just very wrong south canadians what is that even there is a south in Canada. canadia there's a south in canada
0: <laughs> but like canada is like you know how you have north korea and south korea yeah so you have Canada, and you are south canadia
1: we've never been so are we the cooler one is canada north korea i'll take that i'll take that in this comparison What
0: the one with the like
2: largest uh, amount of like what was it plastic surgery her parson or something in the world in South Is Korea. Canada? South Korea. Oh, South Korea. Oh. Yeah, so yeah. You've seen Squid Game? You all, you all be playing Squid Game.
1: <laughs> oh. Oh, we should do a Squid Game episode of Formula 1. Yes. Where we just play games the whole time. Yes. And the loser gets shot by the kidnappers <laughs>
0: yeah. for the revolution.
1: When it comes to like sports and politics, I think it's okay if the athlete voices himself. Mm. But I don't think it's okay if the athlete voices himself, and it's an opinion I don't agree with. That's <laughs> I like it. What if
0: the <laughs> athlete voices an opinion, but it's under duress of almost being shot by a kidnapper?
2: Yes, I believe that you should uh, value your your life over, um, you know, how you look, you hold your integrity in front of other people. I'm pretty sure it's all right to, to take one for your integrity to save your life
0: fair enough thank you both for joining me for this story that we've put together if people like it we'll try and do more stuff like this in the future if you have any suggestions please let us know at slow pit stop on twitter instagram or you can email us at slowpitstop at not dot com and yeah we'll try and research any stories that people send us about crazy races or things that have happened around the world of formula one so like
2: how do you how do you gauge uh, interest do you get like is like a thousand people are like we like this or is it 10 is it one people person is it me it's you do i just go on and say i like this or fat it's you (laughs) and then you do another one or another three
0: exactly asher just text whatever you want the next episode to be on just text (laughs) we have
1: This has been a production for Not That Good Media.